Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, it's such a blessing to have Reverend uh, Randall Greer with us today. Praise the Lord. Today, tonight, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We're expecting great things from the Lord, amen, from the Spirit of God. And so when I was talking to Brother Greer yesterday, uh, yesterday evening, I said, now, you know, when I know it's different when you have your own meetings, because, you know, he does those uh, and and we get to go to some of them. And uh, then he ministers in churches. There can be a different, you know, different flow. I said, I want you to treat this, these meetings as though this is your meeting. Just, just have your freedom just to do uh, whatever the Lord uh, wants you to do, minister however the Lord leads you, what, however the anointing leads you, just flow with it because we're ready. Amen. Amen. Was I right? Are we ready? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. We've known uh, Reverend Greer for many years now, met him shortly after he graduated from Raymond. We'd only been out about four or five years, I think, and uh, he came to our church and ministered for us and what a blessing. Oh my goodness. What a blessing he was then. And we've known him for many years. He's been back many times and has always enriched our church, brought life and, and revelation to our church. And so we're so grateful for, uh, for Brother Greer. Praise the Lord. I want you to come on, Brother Greer, and just share with us whatever's on your heart today. Minister as the Lord leads you. We're glad to have you. God is good all the time. I'm telling you, he's been so very good to me, and we appreciate the opportunity to be here at this church, because I remember when this church was not at this church. (laughs) I remember the building. I remember the wooden theater seats. Remember in the Baptist church? If you had a a lot of meat on your bones like I do, you kind of had to (laughs) sit down in there, but it's good to see all of you. And I see some of those that was uh, at Gatlinburg, and you're still alive, so I'm glad to see that too. And I did hear that you saw a bear, so <laughs> that's even better that you're alive after doing that up there. But it's an honor to be here with uh, Pastor Edwin, Pastor Angelin, of course, Pastor Greg and his wife. We appreciate them and their family. They're people of integrity that practice what they preach. I've been knowing them and watching them. And walking behind them for many, many years. And I tell you, they're people of integrity. I highly respect them. I really do. Uh, In fact, uh, my son today is 29 years old. And some of you may not know the story about his birth. My wife got pregnant when we was in a series of meetings in Florida. And I thought it was the Florida water that had made her nauseated. You know what I mean? And so Mom Hagen heard about that. Dad Hagen's wife, you know, Miss Aretha Hagen. She said, Randy, she said, I'm going to have to buy you a book on the birds and the bees. <laughs> said, it wasn't that Florida water <laughs> that made your wife nauseated. But anyway, <clears throat> I took her home from here. Her mama, we went in because I, I was sure it was a Florida water just made her nauseated. I mean, it was just every day. And we'd run into some bad water one time up in Ohio And uh, I was praying. I said, Lord, what is it? I mean, I was just so sick. And we're faith people, you know. And I I would get enough strength to go preach. Then I'd come pass out in the bed. And I just got on on the floor and I started praying. I said, Lord, what is it? He said, don't drink the water. He said, there's something in the water here. The water table's got too low. And he said, that's what it is. So I assumed that the water table had got too low. And that was what's wrong with my wife in Florida. So I, I t- ran her up home because I had a few days off and I ran her home before I came here to speak at your church and I think it might have been in the other building over there then. And uh, as soon as we walked in her mama's house because her mama wanted me to bring her there, her mama took one look at her and said, I know what's wrong with you. She said, you're pregnant. She said, no, I'm not, Randy. She said, I've been drinking that Florida water. <laughs> She said, we need to bottle that stuff up. That's some powerful stuff right there. So anyway, I came back and of course they went to the doctor, you know, for the doctor visit. 
Now the doctor came back with a bad report. The report just basically said the embryo has not attached to your womb like it should. And I'm not a medical doctor. I'm just saying what they said. And that they gave her little hope of being able to fulfill the the total pregnancy without uh, the baby, losing the baby, you know. And so what the doctor told her is you go home and you lay in the bed, don't move, don't do any physical activity, don't do any strenuous stuff. And her mama said, I'll make sure that I'll knock her out. I'll take her to my house. Well, she called me. And of course, she was, she was crying, you know, and of course, her mama's crying, her daddy's crying. And of course, we're, we're trying to walk in faith. And I was uh, over with the Pastor Edwin and Pastor Angela's house. And I told them about it. And so Pastor Angela said, get her on the phone. So Pastor Angela got her on the phone. He said, honey, if you want that baby, you're going to have that baby. In the name of Jesus, we're going to believe God right now. Pastor Edwin got an agreement with us. We all got an agreement. She said, we're going to believe God. Well, that baby was born. He's 29 years old today and flies jets. It was a miracle. There was a long story about what happened after he was born. There was a lot of complications that said that he would never run, jump, play, and be normal. But he's doing all of those things and more today. And we thank God for that. So Pastor Angela was very instrumental in him being here. So she's going to have to continue to take care of him. <laughs> she got... But it was. She was just a blessing. Pastor Edwin was. I remember I went in the bedroom and I got out on my face and I started seeking God. I started praying in other tongues because I didn't know what else to pray, you know. And God brought us through that experience. And so we appreciate that, appreciate their faith. They've helped us over the years. And we appreciate this church as it helps us in our ministry and supports our ministry. We thank all of you for doing that. We thank your pastors for that. Because the Lord has spoken to us about doing some things and we're stepping out, you know, uh, little by little, you know. I, I'm the kind of guy that uh, I don't want to get ahead of God. I don't know if you've ever been ahead of God or not, but I have. I've been to the place that I, I thought it was time to do something and found out when I got there it wasn't. And it was like that old fella. You remember that fella that went coon hunting down here in Florida? Y'all remember him? Oh, Jerry. Y'all remember him, Jerry? And John and all them, you know, now they went coon hunting down here in Florida, you know, and, and old John, you know, he was one of these big coon hunters. He, he didn't believe in shooting no coon out of a tree. So he believed in climbing the tree, poking the coon with a stick and knocking him out on the ground. And the coon would whip all them coon dogs on the ground and the coon could go to the house. I thought that's pretty fair. Now I've seen some mean coons that could whip some dogs. Don't get me wrong, raccoons, you know. And so they got down here in the swamp. They let the dogs out. You hunt coons at night, you know. They let the dogs out in there barking and carrying on and snapping. They said, we better get down in there in them swamps. So they got their flashlights and their headlamps and got down there. And when they got to the tree where they had uh, treed this coon, these dogs are snapping and barking, biting at the tree, you know, trying to climb the tree and everything. These dogs are just look like they're half mad. And so John said, I'm going to climb up there and knock that coon out. And so Jerry looked at John. Y'all remember old Jerry, don't you? He looked at John and said, John, you can't climb that tree. You can't even reach around it. Three men can't reach around it. It was the biggest tree they'd ever seen, you know. And there ain't no limb up there. And it made John mad. All he ever wore was overalls between him and God. And he went hunting barefooted, you know. The first gun he ever had, deer rifle he ever had, was a 410 shotgun with a 3030 shell in it. Don't know if you know that or not. A 410 will shoot a 3030. You just be very careful if you do that. <laughs> Don't be trying this, Pastor Greg. But anyway, <laughs> but it'll do it. So it made old John mad when they told him they couldn't climb that tree. And so it made John mad. He said, Get out of my way. He ejected his fingernail. Phew. And his toenails, and he hung them in the side of that bark, and he went to climbing up that tree, you know. He finally got to a limb, and they started to encourage him. Knock him out, John. Knock him out. He got way up there at the top of that tree. Finally, you know, they can't see because it's so dark, and a big old tall tree, and they're trying to the lights. And he said, hollered down there, John. He said, whoa, boys, it's a big one. It's the biggest thing I've ever seen. I ain't never seen a coon this big. So he had taken a stick up there with him that he had stuck down in his overhauls, and he pulled that stick out, wrenched around the tree, and he poked that coon, but it wasn't no coon. It was a souped-up wildcat. And that wildcat jumped on top of him up on top of that tree. Rawr! 
there. And John's hollering, whoo, you know. And so they're looking up there trying to see. And they said, oh, my God, that's a wildcat. Then got a hold to John up there. And so John remembered them fellows on the grounds got some guns. So he started hollering, whoo, shoot this thing. Whoa, somebody shoot this thing. And they hollered back, Jerry did to John up there and said, John, we can't shoot that thing. He said, we might hit you. John hollered back down. He said, just shoot amongst us. One of us has got to have some relief. (laughs) So don't know if you've ever been there or not, but I have. Where I hollered, oh Lord, shoot this thing. One of us has got to have some relief so it pays to be led by the Spirit of God. And I was so glad and so glad that you're interested in that this morning because I just sensed in my spirit while I was praying to share something with you that the Lord shared with me back in December of 2021 about this year. Now we're going to be sharing different things as we go along in these meetings and and we'll just follow the Lord in that. But let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your mercy that endures forever and ever and ever. Lord, and we thank you today as we preach your word, Lord, that you'll give us, Lord, revelation of your word, illustration of your word, and impartations of the Holy Ghost that empower and enable us to walk out what we have heard. And I ask, Lord, that your spirit live big in me today to accomplish your will and accomplish your plan. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. On December the 6th of 2021, you remember that day, right? December the 6th, 2021, which was less than a year ago. I was praying, spending time praying with the Lord, you know, and just... uh, fellowshipping with him. I wasn't really thinking about anything in particular, just worshiping him and then kind of going over, you know, the direction that we would go during this year. As far as I say we, I'm talking about the ministry and the direction we would go, meetings that we would do and, and things, and just looking to the Lord, waiting on him, waiting in his presence. And then as I was waiting in his presence on, on December the 6th of 2021, Suddenly, the Spirit of God spoke to me in my spirit, and he said, I want you to begin to expand. I want you to increase, and he said, I want you to get the message out that I have given unto you. All of us have a message. All of us have an anointing. All of us have a part to play, regardless of what station you are in life, wherever you're at, all of us have something to do for God. You don't have to be in the five-fold ministry, you know, but all of us, in a sense, are in a ministry of helps of some type, helping establish the kingdom of God in this earth. And so, while I was praying, the Lord said, I want you to expand. And it should, uh, I want you to increase in meetings, I want you to increase in the uh, in media and getting some of these things out that I have said to you. And then, of course, the first thing I thought about is I went to the natural realm, which you probably wouldn't be guilty of that, you know. But I went into the natural realm, and the first thing I thought about was how that I should not be expanding at this time. You look at the economy, you know, the fuel prices since, uh, since you folks voted in Mr. Biden and everything. You know, I know how y'all done it, y'all behind my back. But anyway, <laughs> I'm joking. But anyway, all that stuff that went over that and, and, and things, you know, but... Uh, it just seemed like that everything was not in a position that you would go and expand, that you would increase or nothing. You know, inflation, all the economists, you know, are telling us that this is going to happen, this is going to happen to the dollar, dollar is going to decrease, and, and you know, just all kinds of things like that. And I know a little bit about that because I do travel, you know, into Canada a lot. We have our ministry registered there, and so the dollar value here has a lot determined to what goes on there. In fact, a lot of times I just leave money up there that don't bring here because it, it's not worth what it is down here. But uh, so I said, Lord, I said in the natural, this is the last thing that I should be doing. I shouldn't be planning on increasing anywhere, doing anything, expanding. In fact, it seems like to me we ought to do what them other folks are preaching. Go get us one of them stoves, you know what I mean? And one of them solar lights, and, and, and I'm not knocking nobody. I'm not saying you shouldn't be prepared. I bought me a cow recently. A cow, C-O-W, cow. <laughs> cow. 
I bought a cow. And I put it in the freezer. I didn't put it in the freezer. I had other people that done it. And then, of course, we picked it up and put it in the freezer. But, uh, you know, remember that? Somebody come by and talk to me. If syrup costs $5 a sop, remember that, sister? You talked to me about it. We're going to have all the sops we want. But I wouldn't buy a cow for in fear. But uh, I said, Lord, going back to December... I said, Lord, it looks like the least likely thing I should do is expand to try to bring increase and, and, and even hire more staff, people, part of our team, because it was going to take more than what we had to increase. I realized it was going to take different equipment than what we had, different aircraft than what I had, and, and just no way that I should be doing this. And I just you know, quoted the scripture to the Lord. I said, Lord, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, what man's going to build a tower, don't sit down and count the cost first. Unless he starts building, and then he don't have the finances to complete the project, and everybody's going to say, well, he missed it. You know, he didn't get anywhere, make fun out of you, and you're going to just flat be a failure. I said, Lord, I'm sitting here counting the cost. And I said, this just don't look like that we should be doing this naturally speaking. But at the same time, we're going to be obedient to the Lord. We're going to follow the Lord. Because Dad Hagen, Dr. Kennedy Hagen, taught me to be led by the Spirit of God. Taught us all that. If you're here, you've been taught to be led by the Spirit of God. So I just kept, Dad Hagen used to call it this way, kept my spiritual antenna up. Because the Lord had already showed me it's time to expand, tired to bring on new staff. Well, it was the last thing you want to do. In a downturn in the economy, everything increasing, talking about getting a larger aircraft, it takes more fuel, more money, all kinds of stuff, more insurance, everything, more maintenance. There's no way. So while I'm sitting there praying about it and just telling the Lord why we shouldn't do it, you know, and why we shouldn't expand, just talking to him about it, the Lord said this to me. He said, whatever you set your hand to in 2022, is going to prosper as you are led by my spirit and walk in my way. He said, whatever you set your hand to in 2022 is going to prosper as long as you are led by my spirit and walk in my way. He said, if you'll do that and be obedient to what I'm telling you, he said, you'll not be subject to the world's economy. He said, because you'll be in my economy. And I'm going to provide. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that everything works out. And that's a good deal right there, you know. Now, at the same time, that doesn't mean that we throw good wisdom out the window. You understand? We still have to manage our finances and do things correctly. And I knew that Lord wanted me to do that. Because there was a day, you know, that I didn't have to manage any finances because I didn't have any finances to manage. You may be in one of those days. I don't know. But I believe the Lord wants to help us. Turn to Psalms chapter 1. Because what the Lord always does to me is he always gives me a chapter and a verse with the principles that he's talking to me about. That's been his custom with me ever since that he began to speak to me, to lead me, to guide me and direct me and show me things and reveal things to me. Psalms chapter 1. And we're going to look at a verse there that coincides uh, with this, uh, what the Lord had said to me. He said, whatever you set your hand to in 2022 shall prosper as you're led by my spirit and walk in my way. And I said, Lord, what's the scripture that goes along with this? And he said for me to turn to Psalms chapter 1 and we're doing that. We're going to specifically focus on one verse, but let's just start reading in verse number 1. It said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the uh, counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice he said blessed. He didn't say you'll be cursed. He said you'll be blessed. But notice here, he said, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, what the Lord wants in his direction. And in his law doth he meditate, which would be the word of God for us, day and night. What's going to happen to this individual? Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, 
And whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. So the Lord said, there's your verse right there. There's the principle right there. Whatever you set your hand to in 2022 shall prosper as you are led by my spirit and walk in my way. We said, well, Brother Randy, here we are over in September. Well, it still works in September. You understand? And, and I wasn't just looking for something, you know, to, to have a word for the year. You know what I mean? Sometimes the Lord tells me about things for a year, and then sometimes he don't. You know, and if he don't, then what do you do? You go by as much as what the Lord don't say as what he does say. I learned that from Dad Hagen. If he don't tell you anything new, keep going the way you're going. Keep the way you're doing. If he speaks to you by his spirit, then make some adjustments if you need to make adjustments. And that's what he did with me. So I don't always have a word for the year. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. Because a lot of people do, you know, that minister. God will say something about the year and that's fine. Because he used to say something to me about all the time. About every year. But it seems like in recent times, I haven't got as many as I used to. So I'll just wait upon him. So he says here in this verse here, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But look what it says in verse four, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. In other words, if you're walking in God's way, and you're walking in God's plan, and you're walking in being led by the Spirit of God, regardless, the world may be crumbling apart around us. It may seem like that in the economic realm that everything is falling apart. It may seem like in the political realm, and we'll get to some of those things later in the meeting, it may seem like that everything is falling apart, that everything is going under. But if you are a child of God, God is going to take care of you. He's going to watch over you and you're going to prosper and be successful right in the midst of a downturn in our economy. God will take care of you. Why? Because we're following him. We are not subject to God's economy. I mean, the devil's economy and the world's economy. If we will walk with God, we're only subject to God's economy. And that's what the Lord has shown me. I'm not subject to the world's economy. Again, that doesn't mean that I throw wisdom out the window and just go wildly buy something or do something or claim something or go in a direction. I still have to be led by his spirit, number one, and walk in his way. That doesn't mean I just go wildly and do something. But when I'm led by his spirit and walk in his way, then you know what's going to happen? God is going to supply every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he's going to show me how to prosper right in the midst of a downturn in our entire society, in our nation. God will provide and take care of us. And I have proven it over and over and over and over again. That's how good God is. So you can grab a hold of this word today. I know he said it for me, but he told me to share it. And I've shared it across the country as the Lord led me to do so. Because I didn't know I was going to share this this morning until I was uh, praying, you know, and seeking the Lord about what to do. And he said to just go back and share this word. We'll say, well, it's September. Will it still work? Yes, it'll work. I believe you can even catch up. (laughs) If you're behind some, you can catch up. To where you should be because God will be with you. And so as we begin to to make plans to go on to what God says, I said, Lord, what do we do? He said, there's some things that you can do and principles you can do for this coming year. And so let me share with you some principles that he gave me about this year. The first thing is that he told me to do as far as me personally. Now, this seems so elementary but don't don't just take it that way. This is very powerful. Number one, he said, to continue to develop strong faith. In other words, meditate on the scriptures that will build your faith. Number two, he said, to continue to develop your faith in the area of healing. Healing, because there are going to be attacks this, this year. And I know of people that's had attacks. God brought them through. And then he told me, he said, you need to meditate on scriptures in the Bible concerning financial prosperity. 
Because even though God has given me a word, it doesn't mean it's going to happen automatically. I must practice principles in order for those things to come to pass in my life. And then number four, he told me, act on what you believe. Now, all these are so simple, but it's the truth. Sort of as principles to prosper in 2022. Build your faith, establish your faith. You said, we always know that, but he was telling me when the world's falling around, this is what we need to do. I'm not saying this is all we need to do, but it's just some good, solid information from God himself. I didn't think these up. Develop your faith, build your faith in the area of of faith, uh, build it up, meditate on those scriptures, meditate on healing, meditate on financial prosperity, and act on what you believe. God can provide for you, and God will provide for tomorrow. You know, some people think that there'll never be a tomorrow, and sometimes it looks like that there will never be a tomorrow, but there's always a tomorrow in God. Regardless of what you're facing today, God has plans for you for tomorrow. And God wants you to walk it out in your life. In fact, I'm going to turn, we're going to turn to a scripture here that you are familiar with and I might let you preach a while. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. And I think you'll be familiar with this story. You've probably heard it. A time or two. Second Kings chapter six, verse twenty five. Are you ready? It says, And there was a great famine in Samaria. Notice that it points out specifically. A great famine. This wasn't no little thing. This was bad. I mean, this is where people are going to die. This is where things look bleak. This is where things look hopeless. This is where it looks like that there's no hope whatsoever. But we've got a God that said to us, whatever you set your hand to is going to prosper as you walk in my spirit and are led by me. But he said here, there was a great famine in Samaria. And I won't go into, you can read all of it later, you know, but I'm just going to bring some points out of here because if you read the whole thing, it'd be very lengthy. And there was a great famine in Samaria and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head, a donkey's head, was sold for four score pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Now, I don't want to be really, but you know what dove's dung is? Poo-poo. I mean, that's what it said in the Bible. So, I mean, this, this things are rough, isn't that right? And it says, as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, the king of Israel, they were encamped around about. I didn't tell the whole story. They were encamped around about by the enemy. All the gates were shut. They thought they were all going to die. And so they couldn't get supplies into the city. They couldn't get them in. Couldn't get no food. Couldn't get no help. Couldn't get nothing. So here they are. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, in other words, he's walking around looking, what am I going to do? Said, there cried a woman unto him saying, help my Lord, O king. So she hollered out to the king, king, help me. And they're in this compound, you know, in the city there. And he said, if the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? In other words, how am I going to help you? I ain't going to help you. I'm right here with you. We're in this famine together. He says, out of the barn uh, floor or out of the wine press? In other words, I can't help you. And the king said unto her, what ails you? What's wrong with you? And she answered, this woman said unto me, give thy son that we may eat him today. I guess this is a good Sunday morning sermon. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get you thinking. But look what God can do. Give my son that we may eat him, and she hath hid her son. In other words, the next day, one day they're going to eat her son, the next day they're going to eat the other woman's son. That's how bad this famine is. And it came to pass, 
when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and passed by upon the wall and the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. In other words, he had humbled himself. Then he said, God do more and so to me also if the head of Elijah, the prophet that had prophesied these things would happen, the son of Shaphath shall stand on him this day. But Elijah sat in his house. In other words, he had heard what he's trying to do. And the elders sat with him and the king sent a man from before him. The king sent a man to get Elijah the prophet. Said, But before the heir, means before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See now, this son of a murderer, this king that had sent this guy, had sent to take away my head. They wanted to kill the prophet of God because he told them these things are going to happen if you don't straighten up. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast. In other words, don't let him go. Grab a hold to him. It says, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? In other words, the king's going to try to come and kill me. Verse 33. While he yet talked with him, behold, the messenger came down with him unto him and said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? In other words, this evil, what are you doing here? Then Elijah said in verse 7, chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time. Say that with me. Tomorrow about this time. Things are about to change, ladies and gentlemen, because God is speaking to the prophet. There's a word from the Lord that is being given, just like the Lord gave me in December of 2021. I don't care what it looks like in the natural realm. I don't care how we surround it in the political realm, the financial realm, the economic realm, the banking world. God is my source. God is your source. God is going to take care of us and he's going to supply all of our needs and we're going to prosper and God is going to raise us up in this day and we're going to shine his lights to this lost and dying world and we're going to have the answer. We are. That's what we're here for. He said, tomorrow about this time shall I measure. Now they're starving to death and this prophet prophesies. He gets a word from God. Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. In other words, just a little bit of money. We need plenty to eat. That's what he's saying. And two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. In Samaria where they were dying, locked in, the enemies around them. He said, by this time tomorrow. Well, I'm here to tell you that's the God that you and I serve. And you may have had some yesterdays, but there's also a tomorrow. And God is in your tomorrow. Regardless of what you face this year. Regardless, and I know that finances have been challenged this year things have been challenged this year but there is a tomorrow if you're one of God's children and he will take care of you and the devil is not going to steal what belongs to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ now I'm prophesying to you whether you know it or not I'm speaking by sudden inspiration in the moment my God I'm telling you we're going to prosper don't make me run I'm here to tell you somebody better shut the door and hold me <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody said, well, you don't have to feel it, but it feels good when you feel good. I'm just here to tell you right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I feel good. I feel good. Whoa, my God. I, I can tell we've got some heathens in here. My God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'm here to tell you that's what the Holy Ghost does. He wants you not just to walk by faith, but he wants you to feel good. He wants you to walk in happiness and joy and prosperity in every area of your life. Not go through life with your head down, broke, busted, and disgusted, wondering what I'm going to do. I mean, look up for your redemption has drawn nigh. God has showed up today at Impact Family Church, and it belongs to us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the devil's not going to steal it from us. We're going to prosper right in the midst of all the mess. And it is a mess. But I'm not looking at the mess. I'm looking at God. I'm looking at his word. I'm looking for his anointing. I'm looking for his ability. And he's the one that puts me over. Aren't you glad? Woo! And look here. He told them there's going to be plenty of food tomorrow. That's basically what he's saying. 
I mean, you're going to have more food than you know what to do with. I mean, you're going to be some grits and gravy, whatever you want. I mean, you're going to have it. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth about it. You're going to have some oxtails if you want them. <laughs> Collard greens. Woo! Turnips. Woo! Black-eyed peas. Woo! Some neck bones, boiling rice. My God, you're going to have it. Country folks know it. I mean, you're going to have all you want. You ain't got to fool with all this mess right here. I'm telling you, God's going to be with you. You may even get some fried chicken gizzards. My God, if you ain't never had none, they'll put you over. I'm telling you the truth about it. Woo! I'm telling you, God's going to supply. And that's what the prophet said. He had a word from God. When all the stuff looked evil, everything looked bad, and they were going under, these people are dying. And you heard the conditions of what they were doing. Reverting to cannibalism. It's how bad that it was. But here the prophet said, by this time tomorrow, I'm here to tell you, you've got a tomorrow. I've got a tomorrow. Regardless of what happened yesterday, I've got a tomorrow and so have you. Then, verse 2, a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God. He spoke and replied to what the man of God prophesied. And said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? In other words, there's no way that this is going to happen. In other words, he challenges God's word and he calls God's word a lie. That's what he's doing. And then Elijah, the prophet, responded and said, and he said right here in this verse, Behold, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat thereof. In order to eat thereof, you've got to believe it. In order to partake of it, you've got to believe it. You've got to receive it, which means you've got to act on it. The word came, but he's got to act on it. Isn't that right? So here it says, uh, you won't eat it. Verse 3, look what happened. Then there were four leprous men. You remember this story? Well, that's a good one for this morning. And there were four leprous men at the entering in the gate. In other words, they had to sit outside. And they said one to another, why sit here until we die? I got a question for all of us. Why do we want to sit here till we die? Let's get up and do something. Let's get up and do something. I've been in the twin engine flight school down in Tampa the week, this past week down there. And I remember flying with my co-pilot and I'm flying the aircraft and they're failing all kinds of instruments, setting the plane on fire, blowing up stuff. And, and I just started hollering at my co-pilot, give me something, give me something, give me something. He said, what you want me to give you? I said, I don't care, just something, give me something. Well, I'm here to tell you when it comes to God, give me something, God, give me something, God, I'm ready for it. Of course he gave me, he knew what I meant. And he flipped a few buttons and everything, and we flew that thing out of there. We sang that song, I'll fly away, oh glory. My God. But here they are. These four leprous men said, why sit here till we die? Why are we going to stay right here? We can stay right here and we're going to die. But verse 4 says, if we say when we enter into the city, then the famine is in the city. Well, if we go in there where they're at, he said that we shall die there. And if we sit here, we're going to die. But if we stay here and do nothing, we're going to die. Never allow yourself to be in a situation where you do nothing. Always reach out with every bit of faith that you got, everything that you know about God. Don't sit there and do nothing. Act on what you believe and you're going to receive. So they got come up with this plan. Now, therefore, come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. He said, if they save us alive, that's the enemy that's camped out around there that's going to kill them. If they save us alive, we shall live. He said, but if they kill us, we shall but die. In other words, we're going to die anyway, but we're not going to sit here. We're going to get up. We're going to do something. Verse 5, it says, They rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. When they got there, everybody was gone. All the enemies camp, they were gone. Remember, remember that song we used to sing, to come to the enemy's camp? To go, you remember that? Verse 6, says, For the Lord made the host of the Syrians that was there in the camp, the enemy, to hear a noise of chariots 
and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. In other words, they thought that they was hearing the sounds of a giant army that was coming against the Syrians. And the Syrians got scared. They got afraid. Verse 7, what did they do? The Syrians... Wherefore they arose, the enemy did, that was going to kill the God's children. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents, their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Lord, they got up and took off. Boom, they got out of there. The enemy left. And notice this, this was four lepers. All God needs is somebody that believes that he's going to be with them and he'll make up the majority. I'm here to tell you, said God is on our side. God's going to take care of us. And they made the decision if we died, be all right. But God took care of them. Says verse eight, and these lepers came into the uttermost part of the camp. They went into one tent and did eat and drink. There was plenty of food. And carried thence silver and gold and clothing and went and hid it and came again and entered to another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. In other words, they, they found abundance. Verse 9 said, Then they said one to another, We do not well. In other words, we're not doing the right thing. This is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace if we tarry until the morning. In other words, we can't stay here all night long and get up in the morning. He said, Some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. What are they going to do? They're going back to Samaria and tell them, look, yonder, we found something over there. The enemy is gone. Verse 10. So they came back to Samaria and called the porter of the city outside the gate. Hey, y'all. Hey. Remember, it's in the night. So they have to wake these folks up. Hey, y'all. Y'all know how to say that, right? Hey, y'all. Hello. They came and called into the port of the city and told him, saying, We come to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied in the tents as they were. And they called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within, and the king arose in the night. In other words, he got out of the bed and said to his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry." Therefore, they are gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the fields, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. In other words, we're going to, they had set a trap for them, is what the king said. We can't believe this. These lepers here, they don't know what we're talking about. The enemy's hiding out there. They're waiting for us to get out, and then they're going to come in here and kill us all. Verse 13. And one of his servants answered and said, let me, let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain and left in the city. And take some of the people here and go and see if it's like they're saying. That's basically what they're saying. Verse 14. And they took therefore two chariot horses and the king sent after the host of the Syrians and said, go and see. And they went after them into Jordan and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians cast away in their haste. In other words, while they were running away, they were still throwing away things. They were, they were scouting the land to make sure the enemy was out in the bushes. That's what they were doing. And they went and returned and told the king. In verse 16, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So what happened? A measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to what? The word of the Lord. God's word supersedes anything man says or does. When you get a word from God, you act on that word just like they did and God will supernaturally supply you with you. Yesterday is gone, but tomorrow is on the way. And that's exactly what happened to them. And verse 17, the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. In other words, the guy that had come told the prophet, you know, that, you know, we're going to take your head off and what you're saying is not true. That's the one that he appointed to be there at the gate. And the people did what? They trod upon him in the gate and he died as the man of God had said, whom spake when the king came down to him. 
So what happened is he got trampled in their haste for them to go and get supplies and get food. And so the man that contradicted the word of God, the man that basically you could say called God a liar indirectly or directly, ever how you want to look at it, because a prophet of God had a word from God and he gave him a word and he would not believe it. He died just like the prophet said and he did not eat the food. We have to act on what God is saying and when we do, God will supernaturally provide for me and for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now you want to know how this affected me. Remember, that's what you was waiting on in this service. Well, how does this affect all of you? Well, I was being affected and I've been affected this year. In fact, I have prospered this year. We have grown this year. We are growing this year. We are increasing this year, just like God said. Because God said to me in December, remember... Whatever you set your hand to in 2022 is going to prosper as you're led by my spirit and walk in my way. So the Lord began to deal with me about increase and about things to get the message out and increase the gospel. Well, I realized, you know, that the aircraft that we had, which is a good, a good aircraft, you know, it's a Cirrus SR-22. It's one of those kinds that's got a rocket in it. You know, SR-22's got a rocket. So you pull the handle It'll launch a rocket out and it'll pull a parachute out and it'll float the whole aircraft down and all this stuff. So anyway, but it don't haul a lot of weight like we needed to haul. We're going to have to have staff to go with us and meetings and things that we would go to because now our team, some of our team members going this way and we're going that way. And so it just seemed like it wasn't going to work and we needed a larger aircraft. But remember, you got to be led by his spirit and walk in his way. And also, I knew that with the aircraft, I just knew it. I knew it. Now, how do you know that you know? It's just that inward intuition. You know what I mean? This, it wasn't a, uh, God didn't blow the horn from heaven and Gabriel step out and say, Brother Randy. But in my spirit, I knew with the aircraft, there would be new team members that would be necessary to operate the aircraft. Increasing in meetings, I knew that there would be a, an increase in, in team members to accomplish this and and start bringing things more of things that we've kind of had out of house. We could bring them in house, and and so anyway, as I, I begin to pray about those things, because the Lord had said you're going to increase this year, and I said, well, Lord, uh, okay then. If you say we're going to do it, I said, but how we're we going to do it? He said, well, as you're led by my Spirit and walk in my way. So I'm, I'm sitting out there, and I had been contemplating for several years about jumping over the aircraft that we just obtained. You know what I mean by jumping over? Going to something larger than that. And uh, I was looking at and had thought about a Cessna 421C aircraft. They called it a Golden Eagle. They called it a mini MINI airliner, not for the sake of uh, just bragging or anything, but it carries more weight and pressurization where some things that you carry need to be pressurized because you can't handle an environment when you go up, you know, you get to where you can't breathe unless you got pressurization on the aircraft or oxygen, you know. Of course, my other aircraft had oxygen, but it just didn't handle pressurization. It didn't haul a lot of weight. And so I was sitting there and I was thinking about it, and then all of a sudden it dropped into my spirit by, again, just inward intuition, that inward knowing. Don't go by a turboprop. In other words, that's a, a jet engine with a propeller on it, basically, where you can understand it. And, and don't buy a small jet. Don't, don't get that. That don't mean that you can't or whatever, but don't, don't do that. I just sense that, you know. Don't do that. And I, I said, well, Lord, I, I realize that because I had been for several years to think, well, I'll just step over this particular step and I'll go to the next one to get us there because, you know, an aircraft for us is, is not a status symbol have you traveled commercial airlines lately? I have been stranded when my airplane was down, the airplane the Cirrus that we had was down for engine overhaul. I don't know how many times I was stranded in airports because they canceled my flights in the last couple of years, canceled my flights, just up and canceled, just say, it ain't going. Run to the counter because I got an app and I could tell, oh, they're canceling this flight. And I run up there and they'll tell me, uh, well, it's not going to go today. I said, well, you got nothing coming out of here today that can get me to there. Well, I've got to be over there to preach. You know what I mean? I'm not in this just to play a game. I've got to get somewhere. And, of course, I'm not telling them that. I'm just thinking that to myself. And they said, it's not going. No, it's not going. 
I said, can you look in that computer and see if there's any other airline before I go to run it around here if this can get me out of here? Because, yes, I would find an airline, or either if I couldn't find an airline, I would have to go race to get a rental car and then drive like a wild man. <laughs> Obeying all speed laws. <laughs> I agree with our law enforcement officials. We're obeying all speed laws. to get to your destination because it was just there. So it's not just to have an airplane to have an airplane. It's just, but the Lord said to me in 1988, he said, public transportation, as you know, it's going to become independable and unreliable. He said, prepare for the future. And that's when I first started getting into aircraft and flying airplanes. And so I realized that the Lord was shared with me also not to get a step over the 421C, Cessna 421C aircraft but to obtain that. As soon as I got that clear in my spirit, then I said, well, Lord, how's it going to work? Well, I'd always thought, well, we'll just keep the Cirrus, you no know, aircraft, and I can fly it on shorter trips or where I don't need the pressurization and stuff to haul certain things that, you know, would, they can't handle not being pressurized. And I said, uh, uh, I'm just going to keep that aircraft. But one day I was sitting there in my hangar. In fact, uh, one of the guys that works with us, part of our team, he was kind of getting the aircraft ready and looking at things over. And I was sitting there in a chair, one of those rolling chairs that's got wheels on it, you know. And the Lord said to me, because I was going to keep the aircraft, he said, I want you to sell this aircraft. I said, Lord, sell the aircraft? I said, Lord, I told everybody I was going to keep it. He said, well, when are you going to fly it? When you get to 421, when are you going to fly this thing? I said, well, I, what's well yeah, you're not going to fly it. In other words, get rid of it. So I'm being led by his spirit, walking his way. And so I realized what he was saying was true, that I need to sell it. So I just spoke right up, and, and the, the guy that was working for me, and I, I, I just yelled across the hangar at him. I said, I, well, I said, the Lord just put it in my heart that we're going to sell this aircraft. He jumped up and said, what? Because he had always heard me say that we was going to keep it. But I knew that was the way of the Lord, to do that. Now, at that time, still talking about prospering and walking in his way. That was the Lord leading me. Now, I have sown, S-O-W-N, aircraft. In fact, the last twin-engine aircraft that I had before I had this one, I sowed it, S-O-W-E-D. Is that how you spell it? I sowed it into another ministry and minister. Because I'm for that. In fact, my guy that was there, he thought that that's what we're going to do to start with. And I said, no, the Lord told me to, to sell it. And, of course, it was worth money. You know, we'd put a new engine on it and things like that. So we went through all this, and I said, we're going to sell it. Well, the moment I said I was going to sell it, then here I go, and things begin to work. And we went to youth camp. We help uh, Reverend Bill Barbie in a youth camp every year up in uh, North Carolina. And then a gentleman came down who you may be aware of, uh, Pastor Craig Field. Anybody ever heard of Pastor Craig Field? Our friend from the north, <laughs> and Pastor Jenny, his wife. Well, we were sitting at Daniel Boom Inn. Y'all know where Daniel Boom is? Inn is? Y'all know where it is? Over, it's over in Boone. It's in Boone, North Carolina, and they call it Daniel Boom Inn. Well, all preachers should know where it's at because what they do is family style. They got what they call a lazy Susan that turns around and around. It's real big. And they bring all the food that Granny used to cook you know, and multiply it times two, and they put it on that table, and it's everything you could imagine. About three meats, vegetables, and everything. So all good preachers, Pentecostal preachers, know where, where this place is at, you know. <clears throat> so we're there, and, and, and Pastor Craig Field's been learning to fly an aircraft, a Cessna 172, that we had helped him obtain. But I mean, that purchased it for him and registered here in the United States under LLC so he could come to the United States and learn to fly because it's quicker than learning up there in Canada. So we were sitting at a table, we were discussing, I was just telling somebody sitting beside me, I wasn't even talking to him. We were several of us sitting around this thing talking. And uh, I told the gentleman, I said, well, you know, I said, I never tr thought I would. I said, but I'm going to sell my Cirrus. Pastor Craig said, do what? I said, I'm going to sell the Cirrus aircraft. He said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I believe the Lord wants me to sell it, Pastor Craig. He said, no, you're not. That's my airplane. He said, I'm getting that airplane, 
He said, I'm buying that airplane. It is sold right now. I sold the aircraft at the Lazy Susan in, in Boone, North Carolina, around at Daniel Boone Inn. So if you want to sell an aircraft, you've got to be in Boone. You've got to be sitting around the Lazy Susan at Daniel Boone Inn. I mean, it happened so fast. Boom! Just like that. So I thought, well, my head's spinning still. And I said, no, you don't need this plane. This is a hot rod airplane. You'll get hurt in this thing. I mean, you ain't even a pilot yet, you know. And, you know, he, he's like me. He's got a lot to tote, you know. <laughs> I'm being kind. He has a lot to tote. There's a lot to love, you know, and hug. You know, and that's just all he is to it. Good man. Friend, good friend of mine. That's why I'm, I'm talking this way. But anyway, he'd laugh us here too. But anyway, I said, Patrick, you don't need this plane. You don't even know how to fly it. He said, well, that's, that's what I want. I want that airplane. How can I go to Pastor Nancy Me? How can I do this? I, this little 172, 90 miles an hour. I said, well, you need to build time. He said, I want to build time and fast time. <laughs> so we sold him the aircraft. And then I got back. I mean, my head was spinning. I got back, called my board member. I told board member, I said, you know, I've been looking at 421 aircraft. I called my board member and... Uh, and I said, uh, Brother Bill, you know, he was going to try to get here, but one of his employees had to be out for heart surgery, so he had to make up the slack, you know. But anyway, I called him. He said, Brother Randy, he said, I know all this is God. He said, I know it. He said, you know, we're with you. He said, me and Trudy, and that's his wife, his name's Trudy, said, we're going to sow 50000 I said, my Lord, if I'd have known that, I'd have bought a jet. <laughs> And then I went to a little bitty church because I still didn't have the money. I still didn't have the money. I still didn't have the money. I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't have the money. I went to a little bitty church in Neely, Nebraska. You ever been to Neely, Nebraska? It's, it's up there. It's uh, west of Norfolk, Nebraska. You know where Norfolk is? That's Johnny Carson's hometown. That's the claim to fame. Neely, Nebraska, it's a population of about 1,800. It's got Abundant Life Christian Center, Faith Church. He didn't go to Ramah, but he's a faith man like your pastors here. And, and while I was there, I happened to mention to him what I was in the process of doing. And he said, we're going to get in on it. That's what he said. I said, well, I didn't say it for that purpose, you know, at all. I was just, because he's always been interested and he's got pilots in his church. He's got three or four pilots that's in his church and we always talk, you know. And that's how it came up. But anyway, before I could get out of there, he had sown another $50,000. So by the time that we obtained the, the money by wire from the Sears aircraft, and the money from the, my board members so graciously sold, and then that church sold, well, I had cash money to go over and pay for this Cessna 421C aircraft. And it came at a time that it was least likely for something like this to happen or take place. But the Lord said, whatever you set your hand to in 2022 will prosper as you're led by my spirit and walk in my way. I had to make some adjustments because my way of thinking about doing all this was off. And then at the same time, I knew I had to hire somebody and pay them more than I've paid anybody ever in my ministry. Pay them on staff. I hired another pilot and I hired a mechanic uh, also in what they call inspection authorized mechanic. If you're aviation people, you know what I'm talking about that can actually not only, he was going to be in the aircraft division and, and help us with this thing and flying. In fact, he was just down in Odessa with me and my son Randall. Many of you know of him. Randall, and I've talked to him this morning, he was there. But they had to fly the 421 back because Randall had to go to work. He flies jets, you know, for a company called Jetlinks. So he was there, so we hired him and all this, and then we began to look out and expand where we were going to go in our ministry, and God supernaturally began to open doors for us that it seemed like has never been opened before. But I'm here to tell you, God is a God of tomorrow. 
not just of yesterday. He's a God of tomorrow. And God wants you to prosper this year. God wants you to go forward this year. Act on what the word of God says. Don't just sit around and not do anything. And I know you wouldn't be that kind of people. Develop your faith. Meditate on healing scriptures. Go after what belongs to you. Meditate on financial scriptures and see that God will come supernaturally to you as you act upon his word. As we've acted this year, these things have happened so fast that it's actually shocked, astonished, and amazed me at how quick God brought these things together so that we could reach more people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ than we've ever reached before. It's amazing what God is doing because it's all about establishing and building the kingdom of God anyway. And we thank God for it. And I can tell you this, this is your day. Tomorrow is your tomorrow. And regardless of what you faced yesterday, tomorrow is on the way. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the power and the anointing of God. And we thank you that you've spoken to us, that you've encouraged us today. And we're going to follow your will. Lord, we're going to follow your plan. Lord, we're going to walk in your way from this very day in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.